Third Degree the Podcast is brought to you by Soccer90.com. Check out all the latest FC Dallas, North Texas Soccer Club, U.S. Men's National Team gear, Dallas Tornado jerseys, that sweet jersey with the 67 on the front. That's the latest piece in the Dallas Tornado Soccer 90 collection. Use code Third Degree at checkout for 20% off. Third Degree, 3-R-D-D-E-G-R-E-E at checkout. 20% off. Some exclusions apply. Well, hello there, FC Dallas Curious fan. Welcome to episode number 206, 206 of Third Degree, the podcast. Hello, it is me, Peter. As always, hanging out first with... uh, Promotion-ready Luton Town, big fan Dan Crook. Howdy, Dan. Hey, well, not if you uh, ask some of the media in the UK. Uh, Skype out graphic that uh, listed the top four, except it admitted third place Luton because they're apparently not in that uh, promotion hunt. You're going to get there. I believe in you. I hope so. I'm rooting for the Hatters to make it to the Premier League. Root for chaos. Uh, uh, absolutely. And uh, your hero, my hero, everybody's hero, founder and editor of thirddegree.net, the grand old man, Buzz Carrick. Come in, Buzz. Yeah, I was confused there about whether Dam was promotion ready or Luton was promotion ready. I wasn't clear. Both. Both. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're yeah. one and the same. Yeah. Absolutely Fair one enough. and the same. All right, boys. Well, this is a victory pod because we are celebrating a road win. Uh, Dallas goes to Miami, which, am I correct, that's the first time they've played in Miami since Miami rejoined the league? I think so. I think that's correct, yeah. That's correct. Yeah. Uh, They've played three times, I believe, if that's right. I'm 99% sure this is their first time, and they got the 1-0 win on the road. All right, Buzz, here, I'm going to do my best here because I know I'm infamous for being um, negative, pessimistic, and uh, grumpy and grouchy about all things about this team. And I'm going to, and that's a fair, (laughs) a very fair uh, label for me to receive. So I'm going to try really hard here, but I'm going to tell you uh, I know road wins in this league. You take them as you can get them, and there's no style points. But I am so far not very impressed with the 2023 FC Dallas. Uh, as a total or just on the road? Well, I'm especially disappointed in this particular performance. But overall, so far, I'm not. I mean, look, they're not going to they may make the playoffs, but this is not an MLS contender uh, so far this season in my eyes. Buzz, I'm just I'm not there. The, well, yeah. the, the, the cool vibe that we got last season, especially early in the season it, I just I'm not I'm not feeling it this season. So you're not buying that they're in fourth place in the West and they're I I, yeah. I just you know you know how this yeah. league is early in the season. I just I'm just talking about the way they play, their inability to finish. Uh, I Miami is a terrible. That is one of the most. I hope you guys agree with me with this. In all the years we've been watching this league, have you seen a team as absolutely? shitty as Miami was that night, Saturday they're, night? Yeah, they're pretty bad. Um, uh, whether I could come up with a team that's worse, I, there's definitely been some teams that have been worse than that. I mean, there have been some teams that have struggled to even get a win at all. Let's be fair. The Dallas sidekicks would tie them. <laughs> I, 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 there were stretches of the game where I couldn't figure out 
Uh, there's a big part of me that believes part of the reason why Dallas played so poorly in this game is because they couldn't figure out how to operate things because Miami was so scattered all over the field in the weirdest ways. Yeah, I mean, look, it's not, it doesn't look pretty, but the difference between coming into these games, the difference between Dallas and Miami was literally just two goals. That was the only difference on the whole season. They're like, they were like two points apart. They were like two goals made that, those, that two points difference. Even though they were coming up, even though Miami had yeah. lost four straight games? Yeah. Wow. Because, you know, Dallas. The first two, right? Yeah, Dallas had only has three wins now that they beat uh. Miami. So they were two, two, and two. And Miami coming in was two, uh, four, and oh. So they Dallas had two more ties than Miami. Ties will screw you every and, time. And that was it. Yeah. So, yeah, look, it's the beginning of the season. Everybody stinks. You know, I think sometimes we lose because people like us don't watch every single game in the whole league. That's fair. You know, we lose sort of context sometimes. You look at where Dallas is. And goals against, they're kind of middle in the pack, but we've talked about how the defense isn't quite as good as last year. Goals in the Western Conference, they're like fifth or something. So, you know, while it's not stylistically looking great, um, a big contributor to that is the the choices they're making and how they're going to play this year. Um, So I'm not too upset about it in terms of um, its productivity. I I do agree that it it could be a lot more fun if they would play – in a more pleasing way. That's certainly true. And uh, there are some cracks that make me nervous about the long-term viability, but literally they're in fourth, you know, and and I thought they were going to finish like, what did I say? It's fifth. And I think Dan said sixth, you know, so this is basically just tiny bit better than we actually expected them to be all year. So um, I would agree with you that it's not great, but they also have 11 points and there's teams like Kansas city and LA that have, three <laughs> and and have scored two goals all year i mean you it, believe me it can be worse for yeah sure. oh yeah but uh, you know, look all of this comes from a good a place of uh a good place as a fan buzz i you yeah. know we've been watching this team now for 27 seasons or whatever it is uh and we all want them to win mls cup and you go you get to this kind of early stage of the season and you just want to feel like there's something that may make this season different and i guess what i'm saying is is that I feel like this team isn't performing better or even equal to what yeah. we saw last season. And that's I think fair. that's where, especially against the team, as vis- just obviously awful, you don't have to be a tactical yeah. you know, breakdown guy to have seen Miami playing what ostensibly was a 5-0-5 formation. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I just was like, thanks, Phil Neville, for not playing any center mids against well, us. That was awesome. Let me first give you a little context, right? If, if this was a league that was a single table, clearly it's not, Dallas would be in ninth place. So instead of thinking about Dallas as being a good team, like if you were thinking about the English league, they'd be with top six. No, no, they're ninth. That's Brentford. That's Fulham. That's current Liverpool. You know what I mean? So it's like, uh-huh. this is while this team is decent, for MLS and decent in the West, it's not great. It's a middle of the pack team. So contextually, that's just the way to think of them. We want them to be in the top. But the other other side of the coin is, particularly with Miami and this game in particular, is that Dallas did to them what everybody else does to Dallas, which is mid to low block, 30% possession. Miami had like 60%, I think it was, or or obviously more since now that I just said Dallas was at 30. I don't think they were quite at 30, but it was in the 30s. Mm -hmm. You know, the point being that like... 32. 
Yeah, there you go. It wasn't quite there. He was close. <laughs> so the point being is that Dallas had no interest in having the ball. They mid to low blocked. They went into their game kill mode that they go into on the road. They destroyed the middle of the park and made it impossible. So Miami did what Dallas does when this usually happens to them. They tried to play around the outside. They tried to play over the top without having any fast guys. So, you know, it, it looked terrible, just like it looks terrible when people come into Dallas and do the exact same thing. So, you know, Miami's probably better than that game looks. I don't know if they're a lot better than that, but they're probably better than what that game looked like. All right. All right. One of you guys, uh, we'll, we'll take the uh, negativity uh, filter off, and, and you guys tell me why we should feel good about this and what worked and what didn't work. You know, all let's let, – I'm sorry. I started off on the wrong foot. I apologize to everybody. No, no. I, I actually think you have 100% legit complaints. You know, it's not a sexy team. It's not as good as it was – Excuse me. It's not as good as it was last year. You know, those are legitimate concerns. I just don't think it's as Titanic bad. It's like the boat's not sinking or anything. But Dan, what do you think was good? Since I just jumped in and just told you it wasn't. Uh, the, the the move to the four four two was nice. Jesus Jimenez's movement, how he kind of kept, you know, his part in keeping Jesus Ferreira, who had a fantastic game, uh, in was was great. Facundo Quinon actually uh, looked progressive. Uh, his yeah, misplaced a couple of passes, but uh, he played some really nice, tidy ones. Made some great recoveries in the midfield. Um, so much so that in the early stages, he was active enough that every time a dark-haired, white-ish dude in the back half of the field touched the ball, the commentator said, "There's Quinon." It wasn't, but they said it was. <laughs> uh, that made me laugh so much. Uh, but uh, yeah. no, I, I, you know, very positive. And hey, three away games into the season, you've won one, you've drawn one, and you lost one at the reigning champions, by far and away the best team in the league, and you came away thinking, ah, shit, we should have won that. All right, thank you, Dan. You made me feel That's a some positivity. Bit yeah. Okay. I appreciate it. <clears throat> that's a that's good. To, I feel I feel better now. Okay. Sorry about that, uh, Buzz. So yeah. let's talk more about let you know because of the situation um, with personnel, uh, the change in formation. What was the genesis behind that? And and is this something, Buzz, that you think that you're going to see more of moving forward? Uh, yes, I do think that to start with the back end of the question, I do think you'll see more of it going forward. And we'll, we'll get into more about why as we get into the, the next games and, and training and stuff. But um, the genesis of it is that, uh, A, Jimenez is a player with a good resume um, who they wanted to try and get into games more and they wanted to push his minute load. Uh, and also, in particular for this game, because of the way Miami plays, um, playing two strikers and both he in the postgame show coach Estevez and Jesus Ferreira in his bit he did midweek about his goal. They both specifically referenced it as a two striker system. So at times it does look a little bit like a four, two, three, one, but also defensively and offensively, both it does look like a four, four, two again, this, you know, fluidity and tactics in the modern game, but it's a two striker system. And it's really important that you grind that into Jesus's brain because you don't want Jesus to think he's a midfielder and come back and stand next to Paxton. So <laughs> that's really important. And I think you'll see more of this formation going forward because of the fact that we've talked about um, for years now with Jesus, we've talked about his best position being an off striker. Both 
He and Jimenez are guys that move when they play striker. So there's a good feedback there between those two guys. They're not a striker. Neither one of them is a guy that sits in the center channel and occupies space. They both put the center backs under stress. And in this particular case, they wanted to make the, the Miami center backs are apparently, they tell me, both very aggressive in the sense that like if there's only a single striker there, one of them will go forward quite a bit. So they wanted two strikers to make those guys both sit back. And that contributed a little bit to why there wasn't much going up the middle um, in, in part. And also when you de- when you defend in that system, it spreads you wide and it creates that two block look um, because those, those what well, ostensibly used to be wingers for Dallas and now so much aren't right this minute, sit back on top of the back four and you get that double block look. Um, so it's a good solid formation, both defending in a block, which Dallas likes to do. And it's good getting forward with two movement-based strikers who feed off each other. So I think it's a pretty good shape and it worked pretty well. Jimenez, Jimenez subbed out on a minute restriction uh, because it was pretty much exactly at 60 minutes. And before that, he'd only played up to about 30 or so. So it was pretty clear that's what was happening. He didn't like it, but this is what was happening. Um, yeah, so I, I was somewhat interested in what went down. You know, Dallas had held this one nothing lead all the way, you know, for a good 30 minutes or so. And so right at about, se- at, you know, as you mentioned, he uh, subbed Jimenez out at 60. But right at 70, and for the next four minutes, he proceeds to go through three more substitutions. or yep. Yeah, three more. And he makes a, a, a lo- he finishes out the rest of his, uh, his uh, available uh, subs and I, I, I was a bit confused what he did with that personnel uh, in that shift. Yeah, I specifically asked him about that because twenty minutes of a bunker is a lot, uh, and it turns out that Jesus Ferreira, um, Paxton Pomacol, and Alan Velasco, all three took little knocks in that game, and they wanted to sub them out um, as precautions to protect them a little bit and not get them injured worse. But he also knew he needed to, at some point go to this or he would not needed to, he wanted to, at some point go to three at the back, or if you prefer five at the back, whatever that defensive shell is. And he doesn't have enough subs to do both. So he couldn't take out those three guys and still be fairly progressive. And then later take out three more guys. Cause that's too many subs, right? So he mm-hmm. had to, he was, his hand was forced that, these are the only subs I have. I've got to go ahead and do the change now. One of which was to bring in an extra center back and essentially make a five, four, one, um, you know, and, and play that sit back even more. So deep block that they like to do apparently late in games. Um, the problem of course, and he and I also talked about this is that you do occasionally need to relieve pressure. Your front guys, even in this situation need to be able to hold the ball, recognize, if it's on, okay, I'll go ahead and go. But if it's not on, cycle it back, get a couple of passes in, let the defense get it out and get its breath. It's when you can't relieve that pressure at all that it starts to get relentless and then you get yourself in trouble. So they were they did that a little, but they weren't good enough at that. Um, and it's and it's something that they he said that they were going to work on actually tomorrow, strangely enough, well, not when I was there today, but in training. But he actually told me they're going to work on that tomorrow because it's something they want to be better at, that relieving of the pressure when they're – when they do get those build outs on those bunker situations. Yeah. That was a uh, rather scary final 20 minutes of that game. It was it, yeah. you, just based on what had happened of late with Dallas. Uh, it, you just, I, I'm just going to speak for myself. I was fairly confident this was going to end up at least a one, one draw. So, <laughs> uh, and I don't, and I don't feel like I'm unjustified in, in, in that concern, but no. yeah, when, when he made that sub, I was like, no, that is way too early. And so it, it was nice to learn in context that he agreed it was way too early, but 
you know, it was just hands were tied and he, and it was intended to not quite be that complete of a bunker back. But you know, that happens when you put in defensive guys, everyone says, Oh, we're defending. And they all come sit back. And part of that too, is the personnel that he had available to him at that moment, you know, and O'Brien's not great about possession dribbling, you know, but that's who he had because Velasco had to come out and, and Ariola had to well, come out. Well, he didn't sub out Velasco. Well, he did eventually, did he not? No. Oh. The the subs was, uh, it's listed as Ibby for Pomacall, uh, O'Brien for Ferreira, Cerillo for Ariola, and Tuamase for Giovane. He didn't, you're right, he didn't bring Velasco off, but. You know, in hindsight, he probably should have or probably would have liked to have. Maybe he ran out of options because Velasco did have a knock and is mistrained today because he's day-to-day. But, you know, Areola has been injured, and he was also part-time today. And Paxton and Jesus both had knocks also. It didn't want to come out, either one of them, but they were kind of forced, their hands were forced. So, you know, it's not it's not optimal. Sometimes you just got to deal with what you got to deal with, and you got to do what you got to do. And this is one of those situations. And I, But I was with you, Peter, that – I thought that's way too early, and I was getting really nervous with all those balls were getting fired in. But at the same time, Miami did not have a lot of really good chances. No, to be honest. But Miami's yeah. terrible. Yeah, <laughs> and, and they did start to take. You know, anyway, uh, I guess the question I'm coming away from this was is that obviously the change in formation came at the expense of Legette, who did get to sub in and play the last 30 minutes. But my question is, do we? F- is this? is this a better version of Dallas that we saw? I mean, I hate to say that based on uh, the, the performance, but is does the formation change uh, and Jimenez for Leggett create a more dangerous or different style attacking team that, I that Buzz, you think we'll see more of? Yeah, because if you look at this game, uh, not with your eyeballs because it's not enjoyable to watch, they actually had 16 shots on goal which is more than they've had at home lately by about four. And they had eight of them on goal, which is 50%. That's a better rate than they've had all year. And in fact, if the Miami keeper doesn't have seven saves, which is a mind-bendingly amazing performance out of a keeper when you have seven saves, if mm-hmm. that doesn't happen, if it doesn't stand on his head, it's it's ridiculous. I think Coach was telling me that like I think it was 30 minutes in, Dallas had like one goal and nine shots and and seven on goal and some just these ridiculous numbers and Miami was zero 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 zero. So like for thirty to forty minutes, they completely dominated the game. For the first half, they dominated the game. And even over the course of the whole game, including a twenty minute bunker, they still had a spectacular for them, sixteen shots and eight of them on net. So this is a really, really good performance. The problem for the eyeballs is is that for this team, possession doesn't really mean anything. They're good when they transition. They're good when they, if they do a quick press and turn you over, they're good when they recover in midfield and break the other way. They're good when they build out and they break your front line and then they transition quickly. So those rapid transitions when they catch you napping and they get the ball in a good positions and they get good shots on goals, that's when this team is good. They had the game at home where they had 60% possession. It was terrible. They had like 10 shots on goal or something like that, or shots total or maybe it was 12, and like four or three on goal. That's horrible. Mm -hmm. So you can sometimes, with this team as it is now, it can look bad and look boring and actually be really, really good. This is a dominant performance. You just The the last 30 minutes of it sucked because they're bunkering. But (laughs) up until they had to sub out all those guys out, they were stomping the tar out of Miami in this game, even though they never had the ball. Without trying to play off some butts, I mean, just to – Buzz's point and about what uh, what Nico had said. You think you got 
first shot in a seventh minute, Velasco tries that curling effort from outside the box. Keeper makes a you know good save. Jimenez has that free head, oh, that header. Two minutes later, um, puts it over. Really should have buried it. Um, Ferreira has the uh, ooh, what was it? It was that left-footed pullback. Um, caught it from outside the area. Just cleared the crossbar. Mm-hmm. Keeper was nowhere. You had the the double save that came up uh, a couple of minutes later. Yeah, they they should have been three four nil up in the first twenty minutes, and then Inter Miami doesn't get their first shot until the forty second minute. Yeah, if you buy, if you buy into the XG stuff, it, Dallas is like at one point five, like thirty minutes into the game. They finished at 1.9, which is almost two. So you, that shows you that despite the fact they don't have the ball, they're creating better opportunities to score. Miami got it to 0.5 by the end of the game, and that included the bombardment of uh, play over the last 20 minutes of the game that, that got them to 0.5 because at halftime they were like at 0.01 or something. Yeah. I, I uh, the, You know, um, the problem with XG is is that for you to get an XG value, you have to have a goal scoring opportunity, right? Yeah, like, yeah, right. Yeah. And what I and what I and what I worry about for Dallas is the is the minute is the seconds prior to that, because w- what is what is worrying me as a fan is the fact that Dallas continuously, especially in this game against an awful Miami team, where they are in an op- they are in a an attacking scenario in which they should be creating uh, uh, shot creation opportunities or, or something that's going to generate an XG value, yeah. but they're so sloppy at times, they don't even get to that point and they just turn the ball over and now they're back defending again. And and that's what, to me, is very different from this team last season. Last season, we were worried about them just being efficient in their finishing. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm more worried about them being more efficient and not so sloppy and getting to the point that they create the opportunity. I'm not even worried about finishing at this point. Yeah. I'm, more, I'm more worried about what's happening in the 30, 60 seconds prior to that. Well, I, I know what you mean, uh, and I would agree with you that on the on the whole this season, they've been low. We've, I think we've talked about every game. They've been lower in the shots than we would like. Um, this one with 16 on the road is actually deceptive because that's actually really good. You know, and if you can on the road for this team, if, actually in this league, like in the history of, history of Dallas, I didn't actually look it up, but I bet if you want to look it up, I bet you'd find that 16 shots on the road is actually a really high t- total. Yeah, in I would say so. Eight yeah. on goal is really high. Like you're forcing seven saves out of a keeper. That's a phenomenal on goal performance. You know, if he doesn't have a game of his life, he's not. You know, it's going to be four nothing. Right. Right. And I agree with you on the XG thing. You know, but I use it at best as a like a were you creating some quality opportunities. But if you look at the FC Dallas shot chart, only four of their shots come from outside the goal box. So they had 12 of their shots inside and four out. That's an incredible ratio of getting in like tight and good positions. I just think that like, I think that for the most part, we feel the way we do. And I feel like you, that like the, the, it felt really poor, but it was only when you, I think because we got overwhelmed by the second half being so bunker and flat and game kill, because they were already up decisively at that point. So, mm. and decisively in terms of the game control. And it really wasn't until the 60th minute even the 70th when they actually made that triple sub that they lost any of the momentum because all the stats were continuing to climb even for the first 15 of the second half, despite the fact they didn't have the ball. They only had, they only controlled possession once and that was the 
third 15-minute interval of the game, Miami controlled the possession, sometimes by massive chunks for the, all the rest of the game. So it's just like you just have to train your brain and think that possession doesn't matter for this team. And that's amazing considering they had no center midfielders in that game. Yes. It's crazy. Just pass it around the back. They lose the ball. <laughs> it's ridiculous. <laughs> Uh, now, Dan, I don't know if you have taken time to uh, spot on the red crayon written run sheet this curious little line item in here that Buzz has included, and I'm and it and I'm fascinated by it because one of my favorite things about this game were the sideline shots of uh, club great Jason Christ with his stereotypical way too serious face on. Uh, <laughs> almost what was he 100%. watching on that tablet? Was it I just don't Ted, know. Was, was he trying to catch up on Ted Lasso? I, no, I think he was. I think he was watching the like a like a, the the last episode of Succession or something. He looks so serious, <laughs> but Jason always looks like that. But here in the run sheet, Dan, have you seen this? Where Buzz is written down, Jesus Ferreira equals Jason Christ. What's that about, Buzz? Well, I'm sure Dan will have a take on this too, but he may not because he hasn't seen uh, or wasn't here for the early days of AFC Dallas. And basically that says that um, Jesus, of course, compares himself to his dad all the time. And lots of people want to do that comparison because he's his dad. But I've said from the get-go that that Jesus Ferrer does not play like his dad. His dad was a legit 10. Jesus Ferrer is not a 10. Jesus Ferrer is an off-striker. The best off-striker in club history until now is Jason Christ. Jason Christ was at his best playing off a nine. Him with Graziani was the best pairing Boy, that we've seen here. It ever. God him, darn it, that was awesome days. Yeah, him with uh, Dante Washington. Him with um, uh, Mickey Troutman, even, who was an over-the-top kind of striker. Um, you know, whoever you could come up with that played striker with Jason, Jason was always the off guy picking up you know, the, the rebounds off of headers or the knockdowns or the deflections off of goalies or working those little combinations. That's when Christ was at his best. That's when Jesus Ferrer is at his best, like Jason, right? You don't want him dribbling. You want one touch and shot or even rapid shots without any touches at all. That's when Jesus is at his best. He's at his best with movement. Jason, same way, cutting around, moving around the box, dragging strikers out of position. Whenever Jason would try and post up as like a post up nine, he would get wrecked by these center backs because he couldn't, it wasn't the right, it wasn't his game and he didn't have a size. So I just think that like, if, if you want to talk about the history of this team and guys that are the same, and if we want to look at like how Dallas should play to maximize Jesus, the answer is look at what Jason Christ did. Hmm. Man, you just made me start thinking about Graziani and what, uh, and how, how lucky we were to have had that guy because if there was ever like uh, a a guy who stylistically played like a uh, uh and I'm not saying he was a world class european league type player he just played like that and could you imagine the 2016 FC Dallas team with Graziani up top or even oh, this current yeah. version with Graziani up top. Yeah. It, it would just be, it would be, uh, ah, it was awesome. I hope, I hope everybody listening to the pod gets a chance to dig up old burn tapes and watch Graziani and Christ play together. Cause it was great. What's great. What's amazing about Graziani is the shortest of time as he was here. That was his longest stint in his entire club career. That's it was right. like two and a half seasons. That's the longest he was ever. Because he wears out his welcome so fast because he's such a royal butthead. Or he was. You know, he's probably matured now. But but anyway, you know. He had a lot of hair, Buzz. He had lots yeah. of hair problems he had he to did. deal with. He did. I, if, I suppose if you want an English analogy, you know, uh, Jason Christ to Graziani is Sheringham to Alan Shearer, maybe. 
where Teddy's the off striker. Yeah. That's what you want Jesus to be. So I don't know if Dan buys that analogy or not. Sure, let's go with it. No, you've, you've been <laughs> you've been saying for a long time that uh, Jesus Ferreira isn't an outright nine, isn't an outright ten. He's a tweener, and the the closest comparison is Jason Christ. Yeah. So. yeah. And that what's funny about that is, is that's always what kept Christ from being a national team player is that arena at yeah. the time couldn't figure out what to do with him. So it is interesting uh, if we if we want to give Jesus that same label that he has figured out a way to or had other people or have found a way to get him on the national team. Yeah, you know, it's a bit of a question mark you know how that can fit in the current system they play the 4-3-3 they play some people tried to draw it up today you know with with uh, vasquez with brandon vasquez like oh could we play jesus and they want to draw him up like underneath like in the midfield with like two wingers i'm like no 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 no. that's like that's you're not getting it you can't you can't have jesus for a sub in for weston mckinney that's not how it's gonna work right he's got to be if you're gonna do this you got to play him up top with if you're gonna play him in a two, I mean, I mean, you can use him as a false nine just now, like Dallas did last year. That's fine. But if you want him with a striker, you got to shift the formation more than that and play like a legit two striker. I mean, I think him with Brandon Vasquez would be phenomenal. I'd love to see that. You just have to adapt your whole thing to do it. You can't just stick him in for one of those other for Musa, you know, in that same shape and expect it to look like that. It won't. You know? No. Uh, okay. So anything else about uh, Dallas one Miami? nil that we want to get into before we move on to the next topic at hand well i I think we have to talk about um a couple other things really quickly just that things that i think you're going to continue to see giovanni was pretty damn good again yeah obviously you know nicosia defari was pretty damn good again you know marco farfan is having to play a whole half of the field himself because they're almost completely abandoning the left half of the field partially because Velasco plays as a false nine so that overloads them to the right this game was like 45% down the right channel or something so that's a problem long term because it makes you one dimensional you got to work on that so there there are some aspects of this game that are continuing forward with things that we've been wondering about or watching that that are bigger issues that I have to take take into account as we go along this season Hmm. Okay. I, I guess I was a little lopsided though in this game. Was it the uh, the left? Or I guess he'd be left wing back in that three four one two that they played. Just played such a ridiculously high line that he was basically pressing Farfan for ninety minutes. That that's perhaps part of it. Um, you know, again, the, the way Dallas plays is also part of it. Um, you know, I, I think for the once they went up a goal, you know, they weren't looking to get aggressively forward on the outsides anymore anyway. You know, that probably was also part of it. Um, they were just having a lot more effect down the right too, of course. But, you know, the, the bigger question, regardless of like the actual splits in this game, is just in general, the way Velasco plays, you know, which, which we like, he looks good. But if you're going to play a false wing on one side and not a false wing on the other side and then leave that whole outside wing open – for Farfan, you know, you're going to eventually have some issues there. You know, if you're going to abandon the left side completely, then you end up with what you end up with, which is guys overloading Farfan and coming out Farfan all day. As you say, Dan, move it with that extra wing back coming up into that section. You know, it wasn't that that was probably the biggest stressor. And it, it, when Farfan got that yellow card later in the game, they even for a while put 
Uh, O'Brien was out there like playing as a wingback outside Farfan even for a bit. And then somebody else did it after O'Brien stopped doing it because they were trying to solve that <laughs> overload. I, that was the weirdest thing. At one point, it was six across the back. It was so nuts. But that's an issue. You know, that overload of that section, if, if, if Velasco's not going to play out there, you know, and once you're in a 5-4-1, there should be a midfielder over on that side. I think it was Velasco. Wasn't helping out enough. So it's, it's a problem. There was a point in time in that game that Miami had pressed so many players up against Dallas's back line that Dallas was answering by, as you said, Buzz, with like six. There was literally like a, 10 guys in a line. Yeah. It, it was the weirdest. I God, that game was so weird. Uh, I, I, I don't know, man. Well, and, and Miami weirdly went to like a one-striker system sort of at one point. We're just firing balls into like one guy. It's like. I would have thought they would overload the box or something, but they didn't. They didn't want to do that. Yeah, know? but it, but it, there, but once they got the ball and Dallas was falling back, it was like the two center backs, nobody in midfield, and the rest of Miami yeah. all in one line, yeah. all trying to like at the top of Dallas's box stretch from touchline to touchline. It was just, it was really strange, and I don't. Miami's... I think that actually contributed to why Facundo Quinone seemed to have such a really good game. It's because they weren't attacking his zone at all, and yeah. he was able to be really progressive with his passing, which in this particular game was what they wanted him to they wanted him to stay at home and be progressive in the build out which he was you know so he was actually really effective in that role and had a really good game granted Miami didn't attack that zone very much you know so it was it was fine so uh, you know it was it, game scenarios matter tactics matter and the and the way you employ them matter and and it was good to get Facundo a game in there and Edwin a game off and Facundo was fine and and that you're right that at the end of the game there was like Miami had like a circle they were making a 10-man circle of them with a giant hole in the middle, like they were in elementary school or something playing Red weird. Rover. It was really weird, but you know they, they resorted to just booting it in from the wings, so that's all they really had at that point. Uh, and, man, talk about you – know, I know the guy had an absolutely uh, as bad a knee injury as you could possibly have, but uh, Josef Martinez's fall from form and what he was back at Atlanta, I like it. literally the point, I didn't even realize he was in the game until they finally did a close-up shot of him about, I don't know, 20 minutes into the match or something like that. Well, I, I don't know what Dan remembers, but I remember a player who was quick and they wanted these balls that like split the center backs on the on the ground and letting him running onto them or playing like quick combos in the box. And they didn't do any of that. They kind of like hoofed it up there and hoped he would do something or like fired in for these for balls for headers, but he's not a header guy. So it's really, there's like a disconnect. I get that he's fallen off, but there's also a disconnect between who he is and the way that team plays. They have a yeah. lot of high-priced guys that don't fit together in my mind. Yeah, the the partnership between him and Campagna was just bizarre. Uh, it, it didn't seem to play to either of their strengths. So weird team, cool pink uniforms. I dig it. Well, they made a good trade today. Did you see that trade they made? Yeah, I saw the trade. I, I I was worried that I worried for them. They got rid of the one of the better and it was like one of the actual there was actually center mids in the game for them by the way the duke kid who i thought had a, a nice little bit of feist feistiness to him uh, i guess they got rid of him today yeah but they picked up 1.3 million in gam and they picked up a canadian defender and got rid of ariel lassiter who's so, if, so have you have you guys read the uh, conspiracy theory behind this trade no uh, that's uh, running around the interwebs so the conspiracy theory is, is that because everybody's like, how did 
this makes no sense. Like, <laughs> they could have gotten, uh, you know, this could have been done without all of this going down this way. And several people have intimated that all of this gam that they got was a lead up to somehow working out all the Lionel Messi math. Oh, the Messi Busquets math? Is they're coming together now? Well, or if it's just <laughs> messy, right? Like, how are they ever going to justify that salary and all of that? And... Um, and so Montreal is like the, the 2023 version of the Freddie Adu Dallas deal where somebody just went to Montreal and said, hey, look, if you guys do this deal, we'll make it worth your time down mm. the road. But we need somebody to give Miami all this TAM or GAM or whatever it is <laughs> yeah. so that we can get messy in the league. I know it's probably I know it's all uh, bunk, but it was fun for it was fun reading yeah. and to at least think about for five minutes. Well, the fun of the side of that was the, the story that came out today that Messi and Busquets have decided they're going to get together wherever they're going and that they don't care about the uh. money it's just about those two guys playing together and the money doesn't matter and that's why like now it's like it's gonna be miami or barcelona basically was what the the story was that i was seeing make a circulation oh I no, no idea not the middle true. east well i i guess apparently for both of them to be playing together and happy and don't care about the money meant that it wasn't gonna be the middle east because you only go to the middle east for the 400 million you don't go there to play oh uh, i see and live the life right so like you know, who knows? I don't cover Barcelona or Messi. I mean, I have no clue. I'm just saying that that was the fun story reading today. Because, you know, I feel about Busquets, so I'm, you know, pretty hyped about that part. If those two guys really want to go together somewhere, I'm going to guess they're both going to end up making hundreds of millions of dollars in the Middle East, in Saudi Arabia. Yeah. Uh, that would Barcelona. be... Because, uh, well, no, I don't think that's going to happen. I <laughs> I, uh, I bet they... If, if, the, if all things being the same, I bet they'd rather go play together in the Middle East in an easy league, making a lot of ass money than uh, trying to f help yeah, Barcelona fix their thing on little money. You might want to set yourself up in Miami for the next 20 years or something. Yeah, but then you got to take uh, commercial flights to L.A. and stuff like that. Fair. You know what I mean? You know, yeah. the travel bit. You have five uh, charms a year. Yeah, that's true. Fair enough. All right, uh, let's see. So Real Salt Lake this weekend, Buzz. Uh, anything yeah. in particular we need to know or look at? What do you think the lineup's going to be? 7.30, by the way, in Frisco. And if you're uh, an MLS season pass person, it is not, I repeat, not one of the free games, according to the MLS website. Right, so according to the coach, and I've, I've taken his word on this because I, I kind of tend to agree with it, um, RSL is a team that likes to relentlessly transition. So you're going to look at two teams and neither one of them want the ball. They're both going to want to transition. Uh, and so transitional moments are going to be the key to this game, like getting forward fast and making sure you're in a good position if you do turn it over. So a lot of Dallas work, I think, this week, at least what I witnessed was, was on stability of shape even when attacking, making sure you have your width, making sure your outside backs are not getting too adventurous. Um, I think that actually the same formation will lend itself to this game. Um, I do think that uh, in terms of center backs, you're going to want guys who can run. So I'm, I'm thinking Nikosi Ibi again. That's the way I'm leaning. And then I think you'll see Edwin come back in for Kundo, for Facundo because Edwin is better at stopping transition because he's got more range. He gets sideline to sideline and intercepts better, whereas Facundo's more stay at home and static. So I think those are your big changes. I think they'll keep that formation. So the real question is, is Velasco going to be okay because he's day-to-day? see how he reacts today. Like, cause if he comes through today and is fine, um, and into the session tomorrow, then he'll be available. Um, Areola was on the side some, but also trained some. So he's obviously sort of day to day as well. So those two guys mean a lot for you in terms of who's going to play 
these wing outside half positions based on whether they're fit or not. Obviously, at this point, Leggett could be in for Areola and Obreon could be in for Velasco. If you needed both, if you needed just one, you could obviously switch Paul over to the left and bring in Sebastian on the right. Um, Sebastian could also play for Paxton if you felt like Paxton wasn't fine after his little knock, but he went all day today and looked great to me, so I don't expect that being a problem. So those are kind of your talking points about um, who might be in and why they might be in based on um, a couple of late week decisions on health. And also um, I think it being Ebba makes sense to come back because of the kind of team that Salt Lake is. And it'll be a very vertical game because neither team wants to sort of sit back. They both want to transition at you when they can. And I don't think either one will be blocking. Dallas will probably start blocking if the game's going their way like they do on the road when they want to kill the game late. Seattle comes into this game in tenth place. The one of Salt the, Lake, you mean? I mean Salt Lake. Yeah. What yeah. did I say? Seattle. Oh, Salt Lake. Seattle Lake. Seattle Lake. There you go. <laughs> Salt Lake comes in on six points in tenth place. They're one of the uh, now that three quarters of all the teams get to play in the playoffs. <laughs> they're in the rarefied air of not qualifying for the playoffs. <laughs> Jesus. They get goals. Yeah. Yeah. They lost two consecutive games 4-0 before beating, well, Charlotte. The, Miami will beat Charlotte at some yeah. point. The Dallas sidekicks. The Dallas Jackals will beat Charlotte. They won a game. <laughs> they have won a game. Yeah, A yeah. game. Yeah. And uh, Dallas, by the way, as Buzz says, is in fourth place, uh, tied with two other teams on 11 points. All right, Buzz, you yeah. went to training today. I saw your training preview and your mm. nifty visor, your, the Thanks. official uniform of the third degree of the podcast, <laughs> I suppose. <laughs> Well, that's not the new one. That's to my old Adidas visor. I haven't gotten the new one in yet. I just made it yesterday. Where, where are Dan and I's visors? Uh, they're available for you guys to purchase. Dan bought some stuff. I oh. did. $150 worth. Wow. Wow. What a what a shitty company. You got to yeah. buy your own uniform? <laughs> yeah. Well. What is well, this? Pay for play? Yeah. I, you can take it out of your No, paycheck. it's cheaper. Yeah. <laughs> it's cheaper. Than yeah, it is. Uh, hey, by the way, speaking of stuff, did either one of you pick up your tornado kit jerseys? No, not. Oh, so I need to do that today and I forgot. Okay. I right. didn't really like it as much as you guys did. Oh, did you not buy one, Dan? Nah. I, they look like one of those. Do uh, you know the. They're a sponsor, the... Dan. Be careful what you say out loud. <laughs> you can be real. Yeah. Say what you think. Yeah, come on. Blast it. I, you know, I would, I would like some embroidery, some, some, some something that's not just like, you know, <laughs> some, some dainty t-shirt. lace on the sleeves, maybe. No, just more, more jersey, like less. Uh, this is a shiny t-shirt. Mm. Hmm. Hot sports kit opinion from. <laughs> he wouldn't wipe his bum with it. I didn't say that. I didn't say that. I love <laughs> me some soccer ninety. I wish they'd do more fat boy sizes, but you know. Yeah. Okay. All I got right. the same problem, Dan. Well, I have mine in my possession, and I have waited to give everybody my opinion on it, and I'm gonna wait till Buzz gets his because yep. I don't want to. Oh, I don't want to bias Buzz's out. opinion. Yeah. Yep. So I've got. So I'm gonna have to listen to the podcast while I'm in the UK just to find out your opinion on the jersey. Oh, you're not gonna be here next week, Dan. I'm. No, this is this is my last one for a few weeks now. Oh, That's wow. right. He's going back. He's he's gonna go see Luton play, aren't you? 
Oh, I've got a work conference next week, which is going to keep me off, but then that finishes on Friday at noon. I go from there to the airport. I don't, I don't need your itinerary. Like, Are you going to go see Luton play? Yes or no? Yes, I will be there watching Luton play Middlesbrough. Oh, sweet oh, baby. Luton. Good which Lord, that's awesome. Currently third versus fourth. Ooh. Oh, wow. What a tie. That's awesome, Dan. Congratulations. Thank you. I hope you will uh, send pictures back so that we can share them on the social media with everybody else. I got Buddy as a photographer down there. I'll see. I'll get some off him. Okay. All right. We just need Dan. We. I. I. Here's what I want. I want a picture of Dan and your be- <laughs> in the beard standing in the garden entry point uh, at, uh, at at your stadium, please. I am actually going to be in that stand, so I'll, I'll try and make that happen. Because I want everybody to see how tiny it is. I'm a little worried that I'm going to get through the turnstile. So. <laughs> <laughs> the last time I, I went in that end was eight years ago, and it was, uh, it was a bit tight then. <laughs> oh, man. Those old, those old stadium turnstiles weren't built I, for the I, modern man, were they? <laughs> I did one time, uh, I think it was Aston Villa, see someone who had to get turned away and go through like the ADA type entry because they just physically couldn't. It's going to be a headline in the sun of uh, man gets stuck in turnstile at Luton. That's right. Yeah. Turns out he lives in America. No one's yeah. shocked. Oh, well, American, of course. English expat it. home yeah. for vacation dies at Luton Town oh, well, turnstile incident. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. All right. Mm. Well, uh, sorry, Dan. I, uh, I don't mean to make fun of you. We're laughing with you, not at you. Okay? All right. Totally. Uh, all right. Anything else, Buzz, that we need to get into all of this uh, stuff before we move on to your recap of the Dallas Cup? Uh, nothing remarkable. Um, I, it was interesting on one level because, as I said, there were some guys that went with North Texas who had a game today. By the way, they've they've, they've not scored seven to one in their last two games. They got a real problem. Yeah, um, they lost to Austin tonight, didn't yeah. they? Yeah. Well, I well, not some of this rotation, some of it's like give other guys a chance, but like there's a couple of guys they've put in that have not been up to it, and like I'm like, Ooh. so that's a bigger question for a different day. But um, so because they were missing those four or five guys, and because some of the you know the 17s and the 19s that were playing in GA Cup or whatever and aren't back yet, the 19, 17s, not the 19s. But so they actually had a couple of guys come in from the 19s that don't often or ever get first team invites. And I don't, I'm not going to necessarily say their names to say because it wasn't negative. Um, it was actually was fascinating because they, you're pulling in four guys that aren't necessarily like the, the guys that are like the cream of the 19s that are with North Texas. Cause there was a, some, a bunch of those guys were there too. These were guys that are good players because if you play for the Academy, you're a good player. But I call them sort of middle of the pack of the starting kind of players. And they were great in the sense that, like, they came right into first team training and were able to keep up and do the drills and made some good plays. You know, I mean, there's been times in the past where guys have come in, not necessarily from the academy per se, but from anywhere, frankly, and just been brutal. And then they get tossed or people start yelling at them or whatever because they can't do it. And it was just really cool to see a bunch of, you know, four basically 17, 18-year-olds come in from the academy that aren't the names that you're going to know necessarily unless you're a deep follower of this club and actually be able to keep up. That was super cool, I thought. So that, that is fun. That is good to know. And they all did pretty well. I'll tell you who they were. It was Dylan Lacey, Mikey Morales, um, Santiago Ferreira, and Diego Ferruzzi, who's Marco Ferruzzi's kid. 
So those four guys did a good job in training today. So shout out to them. Hey, uh, mentioning about that, you put you did the you did the thing. You released an article today that I tend to believe is one of those things that you do that causes all sorts of noise uh, mm. in the hallways of North Texas high schools because all the soccer kids get excited when Buzz starts naming names and putting them in lists and things like that. And you did that today. Yeah, the hot list. It's intended to be a celebration of people that do, are doing things uh, that are fun or interesting or making achievements. Um, it's I don't do it very often because people get confused by it sometimes and they and they think it means that those are like the players that should be signed or something. I don't know why they think that though because I'll put uh, female players in there too, which ought to tell you that that's not what it is right away. But um, it's a celebration of people that are doing cool stuff. And so it, it can range from anything from the very highest caliber players who are making noise that way down to like, I think I had a U11 in there who's basically a 10 year old kid because he scored 14 goals in one tournament and led the team to like a, to the finals of a, of a tournament down in Brazil, you know? Wow. So it's just a celebration of guys doing great stuff. And I think people enjoy it. I think it's fun. Um, I think, you know, it's some, it's fun to celebrate kids that are doing cool things in the Academy, you know, so I like it. And, and later this summer, like when they finish this season, I'll do the next, the semi-annual uh, list of actual homegrown target signing potential, but that's not what this was. This is just the hot list. Yeah, uh, yeah. This is just FC Dallas players too. Yeah. Uh, the list that you've been doing lately that I think gets everybody all riled up in the area is the one that includes kids from other clubs. Yeah. The, the prospect the, list, I think, is what you would call it. Or I don't yeah, know what the, you... uh, the, there's this weird thing now where, because the territory rules mostly been eliminated, eliminated, excuse me, Dallas can tap or tag, however you want to use, whatever word you want to use. I think it's nine kids from outside their academy that play for other academies in your general territory area. So basically, you can call dibs on these nine players. Now, it used to be literally every player in the Metroplex. So this is actually better in a lot of ways. But uh, I think uh, coming up this month sometime, I think I'm going to take a shot at predicting or guessing what the Dallas nine players outside the academy are. And I think that'll, that'll be fun, I think, to do. Yeah, yeah, that so would be that'll, interesting. Because that that'll be non-FC Dallas players. It'll be Solar and Texans and who else? Well, you know, we'll see who it can be, but that'll be a fun one to do too. The parents and the kids in the North Texas soccer community look forward to Buzz anointing future prospects. You know what? I, I should tell this story. You know how many people I talk to at the Dallas Cup, which is a fair number of people come up and say they love the podcast and all that stuff. A surprising number of them told me that they listen to the podcast with their kids <laughs> that play. And I thought, oh, okay, well, maybe we'll drop a couple of F-bombs less, perhaps. <laughs> but I thought that was really cool. They hear that people, you know, because some people are like, hey, you know, I'll do stuff with my kids that like soccer. So we do that together. We listen. I thought, wow, that's that's really cool. So um, it's always nice to meet people at the, at the Dallas cup, you know, which is fun. Well, speaking of the Dallas cup and yes, Dan, that was your cue to cuss less on the pod. Um, <laughs> no, no, me, uh, just me. Oh, just yeah. you. Oh, you're, well, yeah. You're the potty mouth of the I've podcast. I've decided I'm going to try and cuss less, but you know. well, I appreciate, uh, you know. that you haven't dictated that Dan and I no. can't tell butthole jokes anymore. You can still do like your that. thing. Okay. Yeah. Uh, all right, Dallas Cup is done and dusted. Uh, the the glory days feel like they have uh, they're all but back now for the Dallas Cup in terms of quality of play and quality of teams, et cetera, et cetera. Is that almost yeah, almost yeah, yeah? almost We're nine I, tenths of the way there? Maybe it was way better, way way better. I think they still um, could use a little bit of work. I think they came up a touch short in the in the supergroup in the end. 
um, maybe by a team or two, but that was, they still had all the good flavor was then it. And I think they need a couple of more international teams, like at each age bracket. It was a little heavy domestic still, but big step forward back from last year when it was actually pretty bad, all things considered. Um, some of it is, I think it's a big benefit to move the GA cup away from Dallas cup, a lot less congestion in the field, a lot less problems in terms of you know, referee congestion in town, dominating just of, less confusion and confusion in of hotels and, and, and complexes and traffic and what's at what, you know, and even just like the, what I could go see, it was a lot more comfortable because if I'm trying to squeeze in the seventies and the fifteens, all of a sudden it's a way more complicated and it makes it much more running all over the place. Um, you know, obviously if you're the director of FC Dallas, you have, you had like 46 games to go to in seven days or something. So, Chris Hayden got his tail run off, but, um, you know, overall, I think the Dallas cup has gotten back in the general, um, good, really good direction. I really miss the super 14s though. I wish they would bring that back. That was the 14s. That was, it was a big Telemundo initiative that 14s. That was kind of like the super group. I, I missed that. I thought that was a really cool addition, but because mm-hmm. then you had like the GA cup is like that for the 15s and the 17s. And then they had the 19s. And by adding the 14s, I thought you added a nice bracket to that idea but you know we'll see if that comes back someday and the girls needs a lot of help girls side hopefully it'll get better dallas's performance overall in the tournament pretty good um u12 level which is the first level academy u12 north won the dallas cup and if you don't know that 12s play on smaller fields with smaller sides so they split the academy into two south and north north won um the u12s the u U U3- excuse me, the U13s, which everyone says is just a ridiculous side. They won the U13 bracket. Um, the U14s got to the semifinal and lost to the team that eventually won. They gave up one goal prior to that game, all mm. tournament. Um, that's a really good team. Um, the 15s did not get out of their group. That's a team, um, at the 15s, excuse me, were at the GA Cup, which is, again, like a super group because it's got internationals and MLS teams only. So um, they did not get out of the group. Uh, the 16s were here, the new team. They were here in Dallas, and they went to the semi and lost in the semi to Solar, which is still an MLS next team for now. They haven't quit yet. They're quitting for next season. Uh, they lost on PKs. That, of course, was, the, you know, got to be a heartbreaker for the Dallas kids when you lose to Solar, your arch rival in town, if you will. The arch rival is not like it's heated and fighting or anything, but, um, you know, they don't. Solar loves beating FC Dallas, so that was a painful one for the kids in that game, I'm sure. Um, interesting game, actually. Uh, and then the 17s in the GA Cup got all the way to the final, uh, which was an underdog run because they weren't that highly regarded and made a good run, won their group, and did really well and got all the way to the final, partially some because the Stone is great and also because they basically abandoned midfield and put all their talent up front and were able to, and in the back and were able to hold on to games. And then the 19s didn't get out of their group, but they had all that shenanigans with the ref in the Madrid game. And then they had a PK that didn't get called that, that should have been, that would have meant they would have won the group. And that since they didn't ended up not winning the team that went through instead won the whole thing. So I think generally speaking, the FC Dallas sides will all feel relatively good about their performances. Even if they only had two of them win, they were two of the younger ones, which is kind of exciting. So if you were into the future of the thing and the GA 17s did way better than everybody expected, which is great. They actually finally overachieved that age bracket. It's underachieved for like four years now. So that's really good. Okay. That's a lot. I know. No. Hey man, the Dallas cup. It's uh, I, I, it's, it's a little GA mixed in. Yeah. 
Love it very much. Okay. Uh, well, anything else we need to get into uh, for this episode? Well, other than North Texas being stinkaroo the last two games, which is really weird because they were pretty good for the first two games. So I, I have some thoughts about their, you know, the people they're choosing to play and maybe they're trying to rotate or get guys chances or whatever. But, um, you know, they're going to have to, you know, it's a remind ourselves, I have to remind myself that winning is not necessarily the point there you know they want to win games but they want to develop guys too because if you're trying to win you'd have you wouldn't you would not have loaned out colin smith and parker would be down he and who Collins on loan in birmingham and parker's with dallas they would have sent both of them down all the time and you would start norris down there all the time and you would have you know you wouldn't sit hope for a game you wouldn't sit sante for a game you know like you would go all out you would win a lot more games but such as such as it is um I, I just before we go, uh, I am remembering that uh, this weekend at the Dallas game, it is the theme night is Dino Night. Dino Night. Dino Night. Sorry, not Dino. They're dino not dogs or dinosaurs. Right. I know. And uh, somebody asked me, "What is Dino Night?" And I was like, "I don't." Obviously, it's dinosaur themed. But what? And then it dawned to me, oh, it's going to be a bunch of people running around in those inflatable dinosaur costumes and then the other day they released a video i think it's paxton (laughs) doing something yes with an intern or somebody or i don't know maybe it's dan hunt (laughs) and and one of those inflatable dinosaur uniforms so i guess i don't know if it's one of these people or if it's going to be like 1100 of them or something (laughs) but uh shenanigans likely will ensue not it doesn't feel very serious but uh hopefully it'll be a good time for everybody it's a drone show. It doesn't matter. Is it a drone show? Yeah, it is. Yep. It's a. Is it drones about dinosaurs? A drone? Yes. Oh, okay. The eighties one was themed. Well, Peter, the real answer is Dino Night is a celebration of my wife because she's got short little T Rex arms. This is what. <laughs> <laughs> what? My wife has relatively short arms, and people in her family make fun of her. Like she has some T Rex sweatshirts, you know, that say like "Hug me" with a little short arms, right? you know. So I, I've been joking with her that Dino Night was a celebration for her. Oh, I've never like, noticed this about your wife yeah. that she had T Rex. No, arms. it's those people. Uh, you know, it's not like she's, you know, got. It's not that bad. It's, it's not like a. Make, it's not like a birth defect. Yeah, is what it's you're not, saying. They're not okay. little stubbies. I'm just saying that relatively speaking, <laughs> she's got short stubbies. arms, and everybody in her family makes fun of her for it. So, like, I've been joking with her that this is her celebratory dino night. Are you going to make her wear one of her dino t-shirts? Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. To the oh, game yeah. one? Okay. Yeah, yeah. T-Rex Christmas sweater for sure. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Okay. Well, Dan, uh, I am excited for you that you get to go home and uh, attend whatever event you're attending, but mostly that you get to go watch your team and your club play a big match. Uh, I'm happy for you, my friend. Yeah, bollocks to my grandmother's 98th birthday. It's all about the looting game, really. <laughs> Are you going to buy a new shirt when you're there? Uh, I have this season, so maybe Oh, you've not. already got it. All right. Who knows? Maybe uh, maybe I'll take some orders for, for crap to bring back or something. Ah, I was just about to ask, but I didn't want to assume. Maybe I'll throw in an order from you uh, from the pro shop, please, Mr. Crook. A pair of uh, Luton shorts would be, home shorts would be awesome. Which color? Uh, I'm assuming they're orange, or do they wear white with their orange shirts? Uh, I believe it's white I always forget you're the short guy. Yeah. Huh? I always forget you're the short guy, Peter. Yeah, I am into shorts. Yeah. What what color are the shorts? Uh, I believe they're white, navy, and orange. All right, I'll have a look. I'll have a peek. With a little Ethan Horvath number on it, just for 
just for me. (laughs) Awesome. Well, have a great and safe trip, and we'll talk to you again in a few weeks, I assume, Dan? Uh, Yep, it'll be the uh, flyback, what, the 4th of May, so... All right. Very good. We'll hold the fort down for you, my friend. And Buzz, thank you, sir. Thank you for all your hard work at the Dallas Cup. Everybody here in the Metroplex uh, highly appreciates it. Oh, I'm, thanks. I'm speaking for Dallas-Fort Worth. I've, yeah. I've decided I'm a, I am have the authority to do such things. Well, it may be Dallas fans because I, I don't really have a lot much time to get into anybody up but FC Dallas because it's a huge tournament and that's a lot just to do that. But um, hopefully everybody else went out and watched games and enjoyed it. You know, It was a good time. Yep. Solar, by the way, girls are incredible. They won three or four of the championships. Dallas won one, but yeah. Uh, Shout out to Solar girls, man. They're ridiculous. Uh, the daughter, the girl that scored the brace for Dallas, I think she's the U16s. Uh, Holly um, yeah. uh, Store. She had uh, a hat trick last year in the final. Yeah, she yeah. is the daughter of one of my teammates. No. Yeah, she's a baller. She almost made the hot list today, but I went with the girl that had the four goals in one game instead. Wayne, I will not. I won't tell Wayne you. Uh, yeah. You you blew his daughter off. Well, four goals in one game is pretty cool. So yeah. I don't want that. Maybe you should have put her on the list. Well, she only had a couple more beyond the two, so I, I went with the one that had four. I thought that was cool. Oh, okay. All right. Well, yeah. she didn't get extra credit for being the daughter of one of my teammates? <laughs> no, I didn't realize that's who that was until you said that. She did have the hat trick last year in the final, so I, at least I know that. So Yeah. She had five and two straight finals. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, she's pretty ridiculous. Third Degree, the podcast has been brought to you by Soccer90.com. Check out all the latest FC Dallas, North Texas Soccer Club, U.S. Men's National Team gear. They got it all. All the clubs around the world. New Dallas Tornado stuff with the cool jersey they got right now. Part of the Dallas Tornado Soccer Collection at Soccer90.com. Use code Third Degree at checkout to get 20% off your entire order. Some exclusions do apply. All right. Well, thank you, Buzz, again. Thank thank you, Dan. And thank you, FC Dallas Curious Fan. We love you, and we will speak to you next week on another episode of Third Degree, the podcast. I get to listen. Third degree, the 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 third